Today, we are going to talk about joyful living. And I thought I would start this topic with a snippet from one of my favorite subtopics of joy, which is gratitude. So here is a beautiful message from the end of a TED Talk that a Benedictine monk, Brother David Steindl-Rast, gave on the TED stage. Check it out. How can we find a method that will harness this? How can each one of us find a method for living gratefully, not just once in a while being grateful, but moment by moment to be grateful? How can we do it? It's a very simple method. It's so simple that uh, it's actually what we were told as children when we learned to cross the street. Stop, look, go. That's all. But how often do we stop? We rush through life. We don't stop. We miss the opportunity because we don't stop. We have to stop. We have to get quiet. And we have to build stop signs into our lives. When I was uh, in Africa some years ago and then came back, I noticed water. In Africa, where I was, I didn't have drinkable water. Every time I turned on the faucet, I was overwhelmed. Every time I clicked on the light, I was so grateful. It made me so happy. But after a while, this wears off. So I put little stickers on the, li on the light switch and on the water faucet, and every time I turned on, water. So we, uh, leave it up to your own imagination. You can find whatever works best for you, but you need stop signs in your life. And when you stop, then the next thing is to look. You look, you open your eyes, you open your ears, you open your nose, you open all your senses for this wonderful richness that is given to us. If there's no end to it, that, that is what life is all about, to enjoy, to enjoy what is given to us. But then we can also open our hearts, our hearts for the opportunities, for the opportunities also to help others, to make others happy, because nothing makes us more happy than when all, all of us are happy. And when we open our hearts to the opportunities, The opportunities invite us to do something. And that is the third. Stop, look, and then go and really do something. And what we can do is whatever life offers to you in that present moment, mostly it's the opportunity, enjoy. Sometimes it's something more difficult, but whatever it is, if we take this opportunity, go with it. We are creative. That, those are the creative people. And that little stop, look, go is such a potent seed that it can revolutionize our world. Because uh, we need, we are at the, at the present moment in the middle of a change of consciousness. And you will be surprised if you I'm always surprised when I hear how many times this word gratefulness and gratitude comes up. Everywhere you find it, a grateful airline, a restaurant gratefulness, a cafe gratefulness, a wine that is gratefulness. Yes, I've even come across a toilet paper that's brand is called thank you. 
there is a wave of gratefulness because people are becoming aware how important this is and how this can change our world. It can change our world in immensely important ways. Because if you're grateful, you're not fearful. And if you're not fearful, you're not violent. If you're grateful, you act out of a sense of enough and not of a sense of scarcity, and you're willing to share. If you're grateful, you're enjoying the differences between people, and you're respectful to everybody. And that changes this power pyramid under which we live. And it doesn't make for equality, but it makes for equal respect, and that is the important thing. The future of the world will be a network, not a pyramid, not a pyramid turned upside down. The revolution of which I'm speaking is a non-violent revolution, and it's so revolutionary that it even revolutionizes the very concept of a revolution. Because the normal revolution is one where the power pyramid is turned upside down, and those who were on the bottom are now on the top, and are doing exactly the same thing that the ones did before. What we need is a networking of smaller groups, smaller and smaller groups, who know one another, who interact with one another, and that is a grateful world. A grateful world is a world of joyful people. Grateful people are joyful people. And joyful people, the more and more joyful people there are, the more and more we'll have a joyful world. I hope, Brother David's message inspired you as much as it inspires me. And he speaks about intentionally stopping to make sure we foster gratitude and joy. And that is what this episode is about. So recently, I had a delicious Thai food dinner with someone in Austin who was road tripping. And a friend highly recommended that I meet and discuss joy with this person who started a project specifically around joy. Yasmin Wynn is his name. And Yasmin, it turns out, he isn't on your typical road trip. He's traveling around the world studying joy. His project is called the Joyful Living Project. A theme of his work is taking the time to step away from our dynamic life to be grateful. Talking to Yasmin simply calms me down. He has a way with words and his tone is wonderful. And I hope it does the same for you. We talk about how to practice retirement, your kick-ass jar, kindness showers, the servant leadership of women, and Yasmin's road trip to share and understand joy. (laughs) Well, you ready to get started? Yeah, I am. Awesome. Yasmin, I thought of you this morning while walking to get a tea. And as I was walking to the coffee shop where I got my matcha tea, both on the way there, while I was there, and then as I left to walk back to my place, I actually had a few profound moments. And I looked at a few people in the eyes and they, at least my intuition communicated, was that they they seemed upset, rushed, overwhelmed. The the word doesn't matter, but it was clear that they were not in a state of of joy. And maybe it's 
maybe it's just my unique little universe here in Austin, but I, I feel like I've been seeing that pretty frequently. And I know that you've been working on a, a project that is trying to, to change that, to try to have, instead of those overwhelmed, busy faces, to maybe be turned into faces of joy. And I'm just curious, have you seen people in, in public spaces more frequently in today's age having expressions of, of not being in joy? Yeah, thanks so much, John, for asking that question. It's, it's really interesting. As I've traveled across the country as well as um, internationally, too, it's, I've noticed a trend that you know, a lot of people are, are really preoccupied with you know, certainly staring at their phones or, or just you know, have expressions in which I feel like they might not be completely fulfilled. Every once in a while, I'll run into someone who just is, has such presence and, and joy. But, but interestingly enough, I think most people carry the weight of their their responsibilities and their stress, uh, you know, on their, their expressions of their faces and, you know, what they're going through. And, uh, you know, certainly it's, uh, we're making certain assumptions about it, but, uh, but I do notice that that's something that's quite prevalent these days as I, as I walk around. Yeah. Well, I know I would, I would be careless to not say I've been that person as well, probably more often than I'd like to admit. And when we first met, you had talked about a moment in your life where you were clearly overwhelmed that led to the start of this journey of yours. Do you care opening up about that, that story of uh, yeah. maybe breaking point isn't the right word. You probably have a better <laughs> word to describe it, but you know, I, I didn't mean to start our conversation saying yeah. you and me are always joyful. <laughs> it's, it's a practice. Um, but just so that others can relate uh, of times that you have been overwhelmed. It is a path and it is a journey to to practice this joy, but it, it wasn't always like that for me. You know, certainly my family and I, we came, originally came to America uh, as immigrants when I was five years old, you know, on a sinking boat. And, you know, fortunately we were rescued and, and, and were able to make it to America. And growing up most of my life, I, in my only uh, means of survival really has was to try to fit in and to achieve and as a result uh, throughout my childhood I was very successful I mean I was class valedictorian president of the band president of the math club uh, national honor society tennis team choir French club you name it I got involved um, because it was my vehicle for feeling significant and that continued throughout uh, my my old my um, adolescence through college you know got really involved in various different organizations and then shortly after I graduated um, was working for uh, you know one of the top consulting firms and doing really well but I realized that that through all of the achievement uh, I lost sight of who I was I, I you know I defined myself externally from all the things that I was able to accomplish uh, and all the um, uh, validation from that, but I had no idea who I was. And so when I decided to take the big leap and become an entrepreneur probably 20 years ago, that led me down a path of just chasing opportunities. And so in fact, uh, about six years ago, I, ha I was 
running about five different businesses at the same time, varying degrees of success and varying degrees of struggle as well. You know, I had uh, my web design company. I had a food business that I was launching. I had a social club. I had um, an e-commerce store. And, uh, and then also I had like three rental properties and 10 tenants. So I, I was That's a really, lot. <laughs> That's <laughs> it a lot. was a lot. And, and, you know, believing that the more that I do, the more successful I would be was the, the story growing up in most of my life. That was what I was striving for. But I didn't realize that it came at a cost. And I remember one day uh, I was working, coming, walking to work and I was, you know, been living in Portland, Oregon. And I'd been sleeping in my office like multiple times, you know, a week. Uh, my relationships were struggling because I barely had any time for my friends. Uh, my health was really suffering as well too. And, and I was always feeling depressed. And, and so I remember one day walking to the office and I was in so much pain and this was physical and emotional pain too. And, and I remember standing there at the light waiting for the light to change. And as I looked over to my left, there's this bus coming and I thought, maybe this pain would go away if I stepped in front of this bus. And I closed my eyes and I took a moment and I just heard this voice saying, hey, just give yourself another day. You know, just, just have faith and just, you know, give yourself some time. And so that's when I, I went into my office and I sat down and I tried to work, but I was just completely paralyzed. Like I couldn't focus and, and all I could think of is what do I need to do to just escape and I essentially dropped everything, walked home, hopped in my car, and drove as far west as I could. And I drove and I drove and I drove until I couldn't drive any further. And I arrived at this place called Cannon Beach. And literally the, mo the minute that I got out there, I took off my shoes, took off my socks, and just buried my toes in the sand and, and just gazed out at the water and took a deep breath. And, and it was in that moment that, that I discovered peace for the first time. And I discovered what it was like to just make time and space for myself. And, uh, and that I gave myself permission to do that. And so in that moment, I made a decision to return to that spot next week. And then the following week. And then the following week. And then the following week. Until a year and a half later, I had been out to the coast at least 52 times. And it was really in the hour and a half drive there, an hour and a half drive back, and the time just sitting there on the, the beach that just gave me the clarity of what's important. And it gave me the space and the time to, to really reflect on why am I doing things and, and where do I want to go? And so as a result, I got rid of all my businesses. I sold all you know my, my rental properties. And I started to focus on the activities and things that started to be in more alignment. And as a result, my, my health got, you know, I started feeling better. My relationships um, were incredible. And, uh, and it just gave me a path to discovering, um, you know, myself as well as what's important in life. What, what was going through your head in the, these 52 moments? which I think is a beautiful consistency that you did that as a weekly practice. Now, what, what, was, what was going on in your heart and mind each time that you visited the coast? Uh, if you can give me a few examples, just so that maybe someone listening, um, whether it would be a nature 
retreat like you did or, or something else, like what moments of peace were being created in that practice? Yeah, it's it was a whole variety of different experiences. You know, the first first few times it was this excitement to get back out there. And then there were moments when um uh when I'm out there, one of the, my favorite things to do is just to take pictures, uh photograph nature. And so it really forced me to be completely present and to notice the beauty around me. Uh a lot of times it was just uh feeling uh just getting some rest and just laying out there uh, on the sand. And I remember there were, there was a time as I sat there and I was just thinking about all my friends and other folks that were sitting at their cubicle or in meetings or stressed out. And, and I thought to myself, I wonder if this is what it's like to, to retire. And even though I wasn't, uh, in a financial position to do so, uh, you know, it, it gave, each time that I was out there, I felt like I was practicing this concept of retirement. So I started to coin this, this idea that it's a retirement day practice. And as we practice this, uh, this time for ourselves, that, um, that it accrues over time. So then the course of those 52 trips, I've accrued 52 days of retirement. And so part of that is, is discovering a series of intentions from whether it be rest or maybe it's um, to be creative or whether it's that time to connect with others, invite someone else to come along, or perhaps it's growth to learn something, or maybe it's adventure, or maybe it's um, some form of contribution, doing something for others. And so the more that I was intentional about filling that space and time with something um, with clarity, that helped me experience, get the best experience from it rather than just, I'm just going to take some time off. I really like this retirement day practice. I think about, I, I believe it was, a, 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 I might get his name wrong, but Stefan uh, Sagmeister, who was a creative in New York, he actually, his talk, he gave a TED talk called The Power of Time Off, and that really was a nexus point for me to start the Time Off project. And he starts his presentation with just some simple uh, math, very simple math, saying here's the average human life, here's how much of it is used uh, typically for developing, learning. Then there's this massive, massive majority of this bar chart of your life working. And then we all think that, oh, this last little golden sliver from 65 on, we're retired and, and we enjoy life. And he's like, if I look at this image, that's kind of depressing. And so what he did is he takes that, that last chunk of, of a rectangle of the golden years of retirement. And he's like, what happens if I just like take that, slice it into a bunch of pieces and just like stagger those throughout my entire life? And, 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 you know, he built a whole amazing Ted talk off of just that, that concept and they instituted sabbaticals at their company. But this, you know, the fact that you can retire, if you will, or at least practice what retirement might be like on a weekly basis, or maybe it's an afternoon practice or a monthly practice. I think the, the power that I'm noticing in this, Yasmin, is that you will notice that you don't have to wait until the end of your career for this joy, for this peace, for this adventure. You can, you can deploy it uh, at your leisure. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, sometimes my, you know, our, our left brain, mathematical brain, you know, comes out. And, and when you start doing what I call retirement day math here, I mean, literally a day a week equals 52 days of retirement. You know, let's say that you can't take a day a week. Maybe you can only take a day every two weeks. You know, that's still what, um, uh, 26 days then. 26 days is more than three weeks. Imagine what we can do with our life, our relationships, our, you know, our dreams, if we had an extra three weeks that we committed to ourselves. So it all adds up. All of this has led to what you're working on now, which is the Joyful Living Project. At a high level, what's the objective? Why are you waking up to do this? The objective of this project really is to remind us during this time, us being our, our fellow citizens of our country and our world during this time of stress and negativity and suffering, that there's a lot of good out there. And there's amazing people and places for us to connect with, with joy. And that doesn't have to be these extraordinary experiences. And so part of this is, is my journey to travel around the country to meet people and places and experiences and to have conversations, to discover what was it like growing up to what were some of the lowest moments that you've experienced in life to, you know, how did you shift your perspective so that you can experience joy and find that path to joy. And really it's about, you know, sharing these stories and experiences so that it gives us not only hope, but it gives us tangible ways to expand uh, uh, what joy feels like for our lives. Because I believe that joy is one of those antidotes like like kindness and gratitude that uh, really not only shift our own experience, but it, sh- it makes an impact in our relationships and thus our community. So I just felt like this was something that it was the right time and, and it was aligned with my purpose to, to um, do this. And another detail is this is a this is not a static movement. You are literally on on a tour, on a journey uh, geographically. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah. So last September, I packed up my car in Portland, Oregon, and started making my way south to San Francisco, then Los Angeles, and then Phoenix, and then Houston, and then took a couple of detours to Japan, Mexico, and Canada as well. But uh, this this is a, a road trip where I'm in my, my Honda CRV and, and literally driving from city to city, spending anywhere between a few days to a week to a couple weeks uh, to get to know people. And this is a journey where I do have a, a path that I've mapped out across America and also into Canada. However, it's also the agenda and the, the path is also very um, flexible too. And so, you know, as as opportunities and connections happen, I am taking various different detours along the way to just essentially follow the joy uh, physically, but also this is a this is a part of a healing process for me too. I mean, I this is a personal journey to really understand uh, at a deeper level um, how joy shows up in my life. Has there been any trends, any patterns that you're noticing as? You're, you're meeting people, approaching them with this joyful project. 
about joy, uh, are, are certain patterns starting to present themselves that you're, that you're seeing that you were hoping would happen, but then also maybe some surprises that you've noticed since you're on this journey with a, with a keen focus on joy? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, when I initially started this this journey, I was really focused on looking for the external, the the, the most joyful people in town, or you know, fun places and experiences. And what surprised me along the way is, yes, there were lots of joyful people and places, but the richest stories and experiences actually came from from people who have. Uh, had some major struggles throughout their lives. It's interesting that the receptivity of this project has been phenomenal. Uh, So many people I didn't realize were were just so inspired and and really looking for joy. And so I, I was about a month ago, I was in New Orleans and I was able to connect with a friend of mine who had been through the whole Katrina catastrophe here. And it was just heartbreaking to hear not only her stories, but others. But um, she also shared that, you know, about her own journey growing up with, you know, family that uh, had uh, some uh, alcohol and other substance abuse and addiction, which impacted her lives, and then as well as, as many others. And so I was introduced to an entire community that I got a chance to sit down and just hear the, the most incredible stories of, of um, struggle, but also on the other side, being able to see a new path to um, the simplest things in life that, that show up as joy. And that just really shifted my perspective to really be able to sit down and, and meet with as many different people from all walks of life um, so that it's more than just who's the most joyful person, but just really it's about how we each individually uh, find our, our way to whatever joy looks like. So that, that's, that's one of the things that I've discovered on this journey. As far as other trends, um, I think that most people have shared with me that joy comes from a deeper place than just happiness. Happiness is something that happens to us and it's fleeting, but true joy really comes from the simple things you know, in life that we notice. And it's really closely tied to kindness as well as uh, gratitude are, are two very important components to um, to what I've discovered joy it shows up so far. That's very beautiful. The, the two words, gratitude and kindness. Do you have any personal, simple practices for, that help you instill those on a daily basis? Uh, both kindness, like what what are some core principles or directives that you deploy on a regular basis uh, for? For that, but then also gratitude. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll start with gratitude. You know, one of the things that uh, we often struggle with, you know, as entrepreneurs, as achievers, as those who are constantly taking care of other people as well, too, is that we forget to acknowledge ourselves. We forget to notice the things that that uh, um, that we've done. And so often we're looking down the road rather than just taking a moment to reflect back. And one of the, the tools that I've um, used is this idea called the kick-ass jar. And what this is, is it's, a, um, it's an activity where we take a moment to really notice um, how we've 
you know, we've kicked some ass. And so um, the way that it works is that I usually carry with, carry with me uh, a small pad of uh, post-it notes or just a small, you know, pad of paper. And each time that I have a, a wonderful moment in that day, whether it be a great conversation or I closed a, a deal or I discovered something new or perhaps I did a few extra push-ups or whatever it is, each of those moments represents what's called a kick-ass moment. And so I would write that down on each individual piece of paper. And as I would return home or wherever I'm at, I would have a jar. And each time I would deposit those in there like, like you would with uh, some change or a piggy bank. And over time, as we start to anchor in these moments to notice how, uh, uh, to appreciate how, you know, how we've been, the things that we've done and experienced, we start to notice evidence, physical evidence that, hey, you know, things are going great. These are the wins. And, and each time we do that, it just builds more confidence. And, and, you know, on those days when we're struggling and feeling like we're just off and having self-doubt, it's great to be able to reach into that jar and pull out a bunch of those kick-ass moments. So that's one simple way to practice gratitude for ourselves, which we often forget because we're constantly, you know, we oftentimes we spend time uh, appreciating and being, you know, sharing gratitude uh, with others. So it's, it's one way it's part of a framework that, that I put together, which is uh, either gratitude or joy 1.0, 2.0 and 3.0. And the 1.0 really is an opportunity to deepen our connection with ourselves. Uh, 2.0 is really about, deepening a connection and relationship with another person uh, through various different activities. Uh, uh, and then 3.0 really is an invitation for our greater community to witness a moment of gratitude or appreciation or joy that then inspires them uh, from uh, an external standpoint to participate and to um, expand on that. What I like about that too is that that exercise takes time, takes focus, uh, takes reflection. And as you're doing it, aside from it being a beautiful practice to recognize and acknowledge the good that you are creating, I think a, a wonderful byproduct of it, Yasmin, is that it's keeping you from comparing yourself to other people, mm-hmm. which I've noticed in in today's world where the the popularity of social media, although it's an incredible tool, if you get lost in it, all you're doing is essentially comparing your life to all these others. And that can keep you away from comparing yourself to your former self, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if you think about your life, you are on this constant progression of improvement, of new experiences. And if you're acknowledging that, that can be top of mind versus, oh, I'm not as good as the person next to me. Mm-hmm. So I really, I really like that that's a byproduct of that. That's so true. I mean, we are already, you know, as a society, especially in, in the, our Western culture here, um, you know, we already struggle enough with this whole concept of worthiness, right? That, uh, and, and in addition to that, as we add on, you know, these tools like social media or whatever it is, uh, that comparison is just so there in front of us. And, and it could be, it's very detrimental to, you know, our, our well-being having that. And so that's such a great point there, John. And kindness, the second 
mm-hmm. concept you you mentioned. How how do you instill more kindness? Because it's such a beautiful thing to share. Yeah. You know, with kindness, there's a number of different ways. You know, there's we're very often familiar with random or intentional acts of kindness where we do something for a stranger or some, you know, and, and that, that is so incredibly effective because it takes us not only out of our comfort zone, but it puts us in a place in which we are um, helping others then. Uh, so that's one thing. One of the activities for for kindness that also ties into gratitude as well that I it's one of my favorite because you see the impact immediately and especially if you're working with a small group or a small team um, it just raises the level of, of morale at an exponential level and I call it the gratitude boost and it's really easy you know whenever we're in let's say a small group meeting or a morning huddle or or whatever it is taking allocating time making time and space here to go through this practice where we designate one person as the person that we're going to focus on for the next minute. And then we also designate another person as the scribe or the person that's going to write. And within that minute, then we shower that one person that we're focusing on with words or just comments that what we appreciate and love most about them. And, and it's just, you just go popcorn style and the, the scribe, basically writes down as fast as they can. And it's amazing to see how as a group, when we shower each other with kindness and appreciation, that it just builds upon itself. And and many times the person who's receiving it is in tears because they don't, they hardly ever get a chance to receive in that way. And so after that minute is over, we switch to the next person, give them the opportunity to, to receive and someone else to write. And so the end result of this gratitude boost or, or kindness experience is that they uh, is that each person gets to walk away with a piece of paper that captures the 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 essence the essence the appreciation the kindness that that their their coworkers or their friends have shared with them so that at any point in time you know if they're experiencing a low moment that they can pick up that piece of paper that boost and just remind them of of not only who they are, but how much, uh, what the difference that they make and how people appreciate them. So that's one, that's one tool that, that I've, you know, shared for kindness and gratitude at the same time. And what I love about it is it doesn't matter what industry or what type of project you're, you're working on, or it could even be a group outing, you know, a camping trip or something that's not necessarily Mm -hmm. tied to a business. And uh, it's, it's a, it's a recharge. Mm -hmm. It's like a recharge of everyone's, uh, joy tank yep. in, in a way uh, that's, that's very simple and beautiful. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind me asking Yasmin, what, can you summarize your relationship with uh, your mother? Yeah. You know, my mother is one of those people that, that gives and gives and gives. And when she's got nothing left, she, she also continues to give. She's, she's one of the most courageous people that I know you know, when we escaped Vietnam back in 1978, it was her and her three infant children. I was five, my sister was three, my brother was one, and my grandmother. And she led us through the dark, the jungle during the middle of the night to hop on a boat to uh, to escape. And during that journey, uh, we were separated from my dad, and she didn't even know if her, her husband was still around, but she continued on this path. 
and you know through through harrowing experiences was able to get us to America and then eventually we got reunited with my dad and wow. and and to this day you know even at I'm at 45 years old now and I'm getting ready to pack up my car and and head west she comes through you know the door I'm, I'm currently at my parents house and she's like oh here's some eye drops and here's here's some toothpaste stuff and 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 oh do you need some aspirin and all this other and and that's just who she is and uh, i i am so grateful for someone who loves me in such unconditional ways and it's just really incredible and i, I love my dad too but we have you know so we have a different relationship yeah but my mom is just she be, in many ways i would say that my heart to give to to show up for people comes from her yeah that's wow thank you for for sharing that i the reason i ask is when you and i were last in, in person we we spent some time talking about servant leadership and um and then we both this you know immediately that what came to mind was my mother as well uh, mm -hmm. just um, the, I don't know, maybe it's the more I age, the more I think about that really all I, everything I have is just built on the shoulders of, of giants. And that's like, you know, people like my mother and other incredible individuals who have taken time to carve a pathway, listen to me, encourage me, share gratitude with me. You know, at the, at the heart of servant leadership, I, I just think of my, my mother and it sounds like you have uh, a similar viewpoint on that. And the reason I brought it up was I know that you have within all of your beautiful body of work with Joyful Living Project, you know, you've, you've worked with a lot of women that are leaders. Uh, and I love that we live in a, a day and age where w women are not just leaders in the household, they're, they're leaders in the industry, leaders as artists, leaders in government. And I know you think a lot about this and that mm -hmm. if you're such a servant leader, if you're not only taking care of so many things at home, but also the office or community, it, like it's, it's difficult to figure out how you fit in. How do you take care of yourself? Your, your thoughts on that. And, and I just, I know you've gained a lot of wisdom by collaborating with female leaders. Yeah, it's it's really a challenge. I, you know, fortunately have had a lot of conversations and and um, spoken and collaborated with a lot of incredible women who are leaders and 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 just even women who are you know mothers who have a lot of responsibilities. And the common thread that I've uh, discovered in these conversations is that so many of them, you know, certainly feel overcommitted and overwhelmed and. And, and stressed out because the, the, the fact of the matter is I think that so many of them have a deep uh, commitment to connection and to caring. And so there's this feeling of, um, I think, and sometimes feeling of guilt of not, you know, letting people, others down. And, and you know, it's, it's a struggle because all the times um, we, we don't give ourselves the permission to, to create that that time or that space for ourselves and it's a true struggle and what i've seen 
gives them a new possibility is to to be able to see how they they not only deserve to have this space and time, but how it's essential in order for them to continue to serve others. How that being able to take that time to recharge, to, to do the things for themselves, empowers them to be able to be not only more effective, but to be more f- uh, fulfilled in their service to others. Uh, whether it be at work, whether it be their family, whether it be uh, their um, their other social commitments, and and for them to discover a new way, a new lens to see how they are just as important as everyone else that they're serving. Hmm. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about the power of questions. In fact, one of my I have it saved on my on my iPhone. Uh-huh. This this book called the Book of Questions which is a, a thousand and one just deep questions that regardless <laughs> if it's a stranger, your best friend, your significant other, you can ask any of these thousand and one questions uh, to get a, a deeper connection. And in your world of, of a, being a joy ambassador, mm-hmm. what questions do you ask people that you have found help steer people more in a direction of joy? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a really great question. Um, and you can practice with me, by the way. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it depends on how much time we have. Uh, but a lot of times if I'm, I'm meeting someone for the first time, I, I often ask them, you know, we, we just initially get to know each other. And then I often ask them, you know, what was it like growing up for you? You know, that way it gives me a baseline of understanding. Plus, it gives me an opportunity to to really... Um, listen to them and for them to feel heard and and as throughout that journey to really understand you know so so as a child to where you are now what were some of the you know the exciting moments but also the the bump in the roads or even the the lowest points so that I can really understand a better idea of of where their struggles may have been and and then I often then lead them to exploring what, so how does joy show up in your life right now or these days? You know, what are the different ways? And it's interesting to see them light up during that period of time. But I, I think it's more of riding the wave of where the conversations go. And, and I've always had a very curious mind. And I've always found that um, when you hold space for someone to feel safe, where they don't feel judged and they feel appreciated and heard, they often gift us with the the words from their heart. They often gift us with their passion, their dreams, their their frustrations, and it's really that's the most beautiful moments is to connect at that level and to use questions as a way to facilitate that deeper connection. And I think that that for me brings tremendous joy for myself, but. At the same time, for someone to be fully seen, um, that's really a treasure. Mm. Are there any documentaries or films in general or books or speakers that have that you would consider in your joy family tree of inspiration? <laughs> oh, there have been so many. Uh, but the first one that comes to mind, which was certainly the first book that, that I remember 
really diving deep into was Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I remember as a child reading that book because, you know, again, I wanted to fit in and feel important. And back then I learned some of the techniques, but really uh, a lot of the principles in there have made a tremendous long lasting impact. Other, you know, stories like, gosh, the recently on the Netflix series, uh, The Kindness Diaries by Leon Legothis. Leon's going to kill me if I don't remember. Legothis. And, uh, um, and, gosh, what are some of the other uh, books here? You know, I've studied a bunch of stuff with Tony Robbins. I've studied um, uh, The Go-Giver. That's an incredible book. Um Gosh, I'd I'd have to go through my my audible list here and, and share. Oh, I I love that you brought up Carnegie's book. You know, I recently I've tried to commit to practicing a lot of the principles in there, and you uh-huh. know, one of the one of the most simple that has unlocked so much for me that I think someone can, if the, after listening to this, can immediately apply it, and not only will they have a positive influence, I think you'll be leaning into your world of of joy, mm-hmm. which is if. You know, just just be interested in someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your questions earlier, like you mentioned, like I think we all want to share. We all want to vocalize our journey because, yes, it has struggles. Sure, it has triumphs, but we're proud of them. And I think that, yes, one could argue that's a little bit of, of the ego, but it's also like, we're in this together, right? We're this interconnected web of, of consciousness in terms of how I see it. And by sharing your journey uh, and being, being able to do so because someone's holding space for that, not only takes a, a load off of your shoulders, but it gives you meaning. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I think is at the heart of that, of that book, even though you know, the word win is a, is a little weird to me, but the point of influence, like to have influence on this world mm-hmm. is, is not necessarily only centered in you. It's, it's enabling others to share and express. And it's, it's amazing what if in your next meeting, your next phone call, if you tried to your best ability to make it all about the other person, uh-huh. incredible things begin to unlock. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. It it really is. Yeah. We all have these supercomputers in our in our pocket. Mhm. And if I could enable that every Android and iPhone in the world right now could get a push notification, what would what phrase, what sentence, what word would you want to put on that notification? Wow, that's a that's an awesome question. Oh man, um, I think I that what I would want to send out there is, um, what's good about today? That's a beautiful question. Or, you know, what's good about today for you? Something like that. But but just to give people an opportunity to pause and reflect and notice on what's good, what's joyful, you know. What does 
joy feel like for you? Mm, wow. So many different, so many different ways. Um, when I am out there in a new place in terms of like nature, whether it be on the beach or in the forest or, or it's a new city, joy is just this ecstatic, like excitement, like a child in a candy store, like, because I, I get a chance to photograph that joy feels. So that's one way. Another way is, um, I'm staying at a, you know, a friend's house and I am going through the fridge and finding ingredients and, and preparing this, this meal so that we can share together. And it's this deep connection. And, and so that it feels like that, um, joy feels like, um, when I have a conversation with uh, either a client or a friend that's struggling and, and to be able to advise them and to listen to them and feel like I'm making a difference for them, that fulfillment, that, that um, that's one way that joy feels to me. Um, gosh, so there, there's so many different aspects of joy, you know, creating, thinking of a, having a, an amazing conversation with a, a friend or, or just someone and, and brainstorming ideas and saying, oh, this is it. And, and then going out there and creating the act of creativity, that excitement. That's what that that's what joy feels like as well. Um, or just, you know, sitting there and, and taking some time and sleeping in and binging on a few episodes of, of whatever show I'm watching. That's also joy, joy of relaxation. So in, in many different, there's lots of different feelings for me. And, and as I continue on this journey, I'm discovering even more. And, and that's the invitation that I want to send out to people is, Hey, look at this buffet of all these feelings and joys and experiences and, um, and choose what, what you like. So I love that you are enabling all of us on your project to find our own path of joy, freedom, connection, gratitude. How can we stay in touch? What are you working on in the next three to six months? How can we, how can we help you? Yeah. Oh, well, I, Thank you for, for asking that. I, for me, I think this, this is a journey that um, is exciting and challenging at times. And I think that uh, every once in a while, hearing the impact of, of how um, either ideas or inspiration has impact, it affected you, know, you um, really uh, re-energizes me. Uh, there are opportunities to follow along on social media via Facebook at the Joyful Living Project or on Instagram, um, and certainly on my website as well too uh, to sign up for updates. Uh, but really, when I get a chance to witness the the joy that that others are experiencing uh, on their own or th or through my this body of work, then it just just reminds me of why I'm doing this as well. Um, my goal is by the end of this year to put together a book that compiles together all the stories and experiences that I've discovered along this journey and to circle back around the country, uh, intentionally revisiting people and places that were, that really stood out and to uh, bring a, a film crew with me to 
create a documentary film that um, that makes it accessible to to even more people, and eventually create retreats and other experiences that people can actually you know uh, learn from uh, these the joy that I've that I've gotten a chance to witness and curate. So that's that's a longer path, but short term invitation to follow online and uh, to share their experiences. Mm. Wonderful. Is there any any closing thoughts, remarks you'd like to say? Yeah, uh, gosh, it's been such an honor to, to spend this time with you, John. And, and I remember when we first had that conversation uh, at dinner um, that, that one night and to hear about the work that you're doing, um, it just so moved me. Uh, because you are making such a tremendous impact in this, and, and especially this particular topic, uh, it's it's so profound. And and I love that you know our body of work um, intersects in many ways. And uh, and one of the ways that that I feel that I think that people are looking for is um, people are looking to not only rediscover their, themselves and what's important, but they're looking to discover alignment. And especially as it relates to their work and life and relationships, and and by holding space, creating that space for people to discover that alignment, I think it just starts to bring out the best in all of us. And so, uh, I'm just so grateful for this opportunity to share with you and to be here and share some insights that that help us bring out the best in ourselves. And thus, this allows us to to um, build deeper connections and to make more of a an impact. It's, it's, it's really my honor, and I know that we will have many intersections aside from just the themes. I think there's going to be ways for us to work together, and I look most forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited. So, yeah, thanks. Thank you for making the time and, and uh, for us to spend this time together. I want to say that I'm grateful for your attention, for listening to this conversation and for caring about time off, for just being curious about it. And if you weren't aware, this podcast has been evolving into a book. We have a website. It's timeoffbook.com. And if you go there, you can sign up for updates for the book's release, as well as some interesting guides and other pieces of content we're sharing as we go on the journey of writing the book. And I'm not writing the book alone. I'm writing the book with a former guest of the podcast, Max Frenzel. And I've learned that writing a book is really tough, but it's become a joy thanks to having Max along the journey. So thanks to Max for being open-minded and a great collaborative partner on writing the book. And on timeoffbook.com, as well as our Instagram, which is time.off.book, we will be providing practical advice for you to cultivate more meaningful time off so that you can achieve more while also enjoying the process. Just wanted to make sure you were aware of that. Thanks for listening, and I wish you a moment of joy in the near future.